Doug, we all know he's got the whole world in his hands, but do you have the whole world on your heart? <laughs> That's a great question, Jason. I'm so glad you brought that up. Today we're bringing you a lovely guest by the name of Skip Lanfried, who's the 401 pastor here at Saddleback Lake Forest. He is the... The uh, mission pastor. Yeah, we call him the mission pastor. And today we're going to be talking about uh, what it looks like to share Jesus with our sphere of influence with the people in our life and how that relates to your discipleship. And by the way, if you're new, this is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, but we call it... The show that helps you grow... I got nothing. Okay. The show that helps you grow. Original. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Stick around for the theme song because Skip is going to be joining us in one second. Skip, thanks so much for joining us today. Of course. Happy to be here. Good to get to know you. I'm meeting you for the first time, and yeah, here we are, first conversation right here on the air. Let's do it. All right. To start off, just can you give our audience just a quick uh idea of who you are, you know, how long you've been here at Saddleback, what do you do, what do you love about it? Sure. So I'm a Boomerang staff member here at Saddleback. Uh, I was pastor on staff here for five years and then was at another church for nine years and then oh. uh, started back again in uh, March of 2019. Mm. Super excited to be back. And the role has been consistent. I've per- pretty much my whole adult life uh, been mm-hmm. sort of in that mission pastor role. So my role here at uh, Saddleback on the Lake Forest campus is a pastor mission. That's great. So what do you what do you love about it? What what has made you have a passion for that kind of role for so long? So it, it goes back to how I even began my spiritual journey. I mm-hmm. uh, was a late bloomer in terms of someone who started following Jesus. I became spiritually curious when I was a university student Mm. and decided that uh, I was going to investigate things. So I started reading books. I found out that Christians all believe the Bible. So I thought, well, before I go to a church or have anybody talk to me about anything, I'm going to go get a Bible and read it. So I read the Mm. whole Bible, took Mm. like 15 months. Then I started going to church. And by the time then I started going to church, I was super excited about everything that you know i had read about and i had lots of questions mm. and i think that my core answer is i just assumed that we were actually supposed to do what was written in the bible mm. and what was being talked about at church on the weekends and during the week when i would go mm. so why did i get involved in mission because that was just what was so clear in the bible and so <laughs> clearly presented when i started going to church as a young adult man that's an interesting pathway to <laughs> yeah. salvation. I mean, to begin to begin in such a solo way like that, just examining the scriptures. You said you had questions. I bet you did. <laughs> just going in and reading the whole Bible without having like a robust, you know, spiritual background or anyone guiding you, that's that's pretty impressive. Well, it's also super arrogant. I mean, you know, <laughs> to be honest, I didn't want anyone to tell me what I should believe, and mm. that was kind of the only you know, spiritual framework I had from my family of origin was that anybody's allowed to believe whatever they want and nobody's allowed to tell anybody what they should believe. Mm. So, you know, I very independently thought I had to figure it out. And, mm. you know, I um, I sought, you know, lots of guidance and mentoring as soon as I really started the journey, which was really after I finished the Bible. But yeah, mm. that was a weird thing to do, and, and I did it <laughs> but, for a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> but in such a, it's, it's, it's so refreshing to hear stories like that, because so often you hear from 
people that don't believe that say like, oh, well, if you believe you probably just, you know, it's what your parents, you know, indoctrinated you into and, mm. and you know, you don't, you, you didn't think for yourself, that kind of thing. But uh, no, you were at university and did it and explored it for yourself. And we're like, this makes the most sense. This is true. This is it. And that's right. That's, that, that's, mm. that's always. And then that crazy. began a deep dive. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is if we talk about evangelism, when I first found out that I could become a Christian, I kept saying yes. So I think that I gave my life to the Lord, you know, 25 times in the first nine months. Anytime yeah. anybody said, you want to follow Jesus, yes. I kept raising my hand. I reaffirm. <laughs> yeah, finally, one of my friends said, calm down, you're okay, you're in. <laughs> That's great. So, Ten was enough. Yeah, exactly. So a little more just on your background, getting to know you before we dive into kind of what we're talking about today. Um, so just tell us a little bit about your family, just about your pastimes, your hobbies. I know that you are a big traveler. Um, so just tell us just a little bit of, of, of that side of Skip. Sure. Yeah. So my my family, my wife and I have been uh, together for 30 years. I think we're coming up on our 28-year wedding anniversary. Wow. And so our kids are now grown-ups, and apparently they're allowed to do that. They, uh, <laughs> they are growing up and making their own decisions um, at uh, 22 and, and just about 24. And... Um, you know, their whole life, I have been in this kind of mission pastor role. And so yes, travel has been a huge part of our um, our family. And uh, we have very much become global citizens through it. My children, again, think as adults, they have the ability to decide where they want to live, even if it's far from me. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, my son lives in Europe and both of my kids would love to live in lots of different cities that mm -hmm. uh, they've visited over the years. So I think uh, that's going to make it a little bit difficult as they continue to get older, if they <laughs> stray, uh, you know, many nations away. But uh, but we love to travel. Um, we're sort of simple. We love to travel and we love to go to the beach. Uh, and then personally, I like to fix things, build things, and kind of create things with my hands because my my pastor job is sort of very, um, you know, it involves people. People mm -hmm. are never finished. It's a very sort of heavy relational and mental process. So I, I sort of cut loose by working with my hands and, and, um, and I like to do things where I can stand back at the end and say, that is finished. Yeah. I'm done with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I'm with you hundred percent on that. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit more about that, that passion for, uh, for sharing your faith that you've been talking about. Uh, you told us a little bit about how that came to be. You, you read the Bible and you said, well, this is in here, so that means we got to do it. Um, but has there been something that's helped you retain that passion over the long haul and, and keep you moving forward? Well, I think that the overarching thing that I would describe as my passion for ministry and, and really my spiritual passion is that from day one, my experience with following Jesus is that it's an active faith. It's not a passive faith. And so mm. I realized, again, when I was a fairly young man, that a lot of uh, the church, at least in my you know kind of hometown culture, um, a lot of folks in the church had sort of gotten divorced from acting on their faith, and they were more you know passive listeners and consumers and rather than actors. And so I just sort of took it upon myself to try and get people active because where I saw the most spiritual fruit of my own life as a young man was when I was actually going and doing the things that 
that uh, I had read about in scripture and the things that were being talked about whenever I was in some sort of a Christian context, um, a mm-hmm. church or, you know, a Bible study or whatever. So I realized early on that my spiritual growth was actually tied to activity and taking mm-hmm. steps and not just learning, not just mentally learning, but actually physically engaging with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I, I think that because of my background, I just have a huge passion for people that uh, haven't been exposed to who Jesus is and and what the faith community can do in someone's life, um, both from my own family of origin, but also as I've traveled around the world and been in several different cultural contexts. Mm. Um, it's remarkable the difference between a vibrant Christian community and lack of Christian community. Mm. So all of that sort of mixed up together in the uh, the stock pot uh, produces someone that that looks like me that wants to mobilize people to actually act on their faith and do the same myself. Hmm. I, I I'm curious because I'm sure that there are people that are listening that have maybe a similar background where they grew up in a family that didn't have any direct spiritual direction. It was more just hey, whatever you discover or, or, or search for, that's great. So I'm, I'm just curious, when you became a Christian then, how did those relationships then develop with your family in those conversations and in saying, like, hey, this is this is what I found, and this is, guys, I got to tell you about this. Like, yes. How did all that go? Well, my father used to joke that I fell into the wrong crowd and I was the black sheep <laughs> of the family. Um, I know that he's proud of me and 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 all that I've done in my life and and all the ministry stuff. Um, but I but he's you know he's not someone who's deeply committed to um, any kind of spiritual position. Mm-hmm. And my family's a mixed bag, like pretty much you know my friendship group. Um, it's a mixed bag. It's mm-hmm. some have have come to faith over the years and others have not. But uh, but I think that there's a level of mutual respect uh, in the mix. And I would say because of my my background, sort of kind of circling a little bit back to the, why am I passionate about mission, evangelism, all that, sure. because of my, my background, um, I actually am more comfortable in a not fully Christian community than I am with just a bunch of fellow believers. Um, I enjoy that, that time. Mm-hmm. But what really gets me excited is to be with people from lots of different backgrounds and have just really open conversations. And I'm very comfortable with uh, knowing where I stand spiritually, and I'm very comfortable with walking with people as they try and figure it out, whether they you know, decide to follow Christ or not. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Can I ask one thing <clears throat> following up on that that I think is, because we're going to talk about challenges in just a few minutes for, for Christians in this area of their faith. Um, but how do you maintain such a diverse friend group? I think that's one of the challenges that maybe Christians face is they end up a little bit myopic, and then and then they're they're over time, especially if they've been Christians for a while, their friend group sort of becomes hyper focused around Christians and their culture, and they just kind of get absorbed by that world. So, just personally for you, how do you maintain a good diverse group of friends that you can share Christ with? So for me. First of all, uh, the biggest surprise for me when I 
took my first job in a church was how all of a sudden I was only with church people 100% yeah. of the time. <laughs> right. So that was when, when that happened in my life was when I had to try and become intentional about it. Yeah. Uh, before that, I didn't really have to become intentional because I would just seek relationships, yeah. you know, wherever I found them. Um, I'm someone that has always thought it's fun to actually know your neighbors. Uh, and mm. so I, you know, I think that there's lots more that I could do and lots of ways to improve in this area. But, um, but you know, there are people all around you. And I feel like for me, where I have uh, made inroads with developing relationships with people that I don't know whether they're Christian or non-Christian, is just having a genuine interest in the people that are around me, mm. um, meaning people that are in my neighborhood. I don't so much mean people that I'm going to pass by once and probably never see again. I'm talking about people that are consistently um, in my life for whatever reason. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, what would that look like? Honestly, it's just as simple as um, having a genuine concern for them mm. and looking for ways to come alongside and express that concern. And uh, almost every neighborhood I've been in, most of the guys, you know, I would know, and several of them would think of me as like they're one of their closest friends. And I would feel like, gosh, I hardly even know you. But we, hmm. you know, sort of we live in this Southern California culture where we're very isolated from each other and, and we build our houses uh, to isolate ourselves. And I'm not someone who just wants to be around people all the time. You know, I go home and I just want to close the door and, and be by myself. But um, on the weekends and when I have energy in the evenings and things like that, I, I go out and look and hmm. develop relationships intentionally. Hmm. That's great. I think that's a great way to kind of transition as we talk about the connection between spiritual growth and discipleship and evangelism is this intentional intentionality that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. So we we firmly believe that there is a strong and a important connection between one's own personal discipleship and evangelism. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd love to hear you talk about, so how would you explain what this connection is and how would you say that your personal... And discipleship influenced your sense of mission for the world. And, and you're somebody that read the Bible and, and came to the conclusion that, oh, this says I need to go do this. Whereas right. a lot of people just read the Bible and say, oh, wasn't that nice? <laughs> and, right. and I bet it. someone needs to do that. <laughs> so, <Someone>. yeah. <laughs> well, I think a couple things. Um, one is evangelism can be a really scary word. And I think a lot of times people get it mixed up with sort of, I don't know, the idea of multi-level marketing where, you know, if we don't convert everybody we know, somehow we fail in God's eyes. And that's couldn't be farther from the truth. I mean, we are, we, people are not our targets, even relationally. Um, I would never want to encourage people to go and develop sort of f false relationships because they feel like they're supposed to, mm. um, but uh, because what what where spiritual fruit comes from is from genuine relationships. So I would sort of, you know, just personally circle back to Christian faith as an active faith. Um, and, and, it's, and it is extremely clear in Scripture. Jesus says on multiple occasions that everything he's doing, he's actually doing to model to his followers that, so that they can know what they're supposed to do. Mm. Um, in, at no time did he say, listen, I'm doing these miracles, but you guys can't do this. So, you know, just watch me celebrate what God does through me. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, um, we'll find something else for you to do. Um, just the opposite. He says he's modeling it for them. Um, every, every time he issues sort of, 
you know, commandments to his followers. It's to go and do what they saw him doing. And of course that applies to us all these years later, if we, if we consider ourselves as followers of Jesus. I, I love that word follower because that's an active, that's an active term. Hmm. We're not sitters of Jesus. We're not waiters <laughs> of Jesus. We're not listeners. Um, although those can play a role, but, uh, but the active word is followers. Yeah, that's so, good. We're not even just students of Jesus. That's right. We're followers. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, good. Yeah. that's right. And so he's made that clear. So why, why, you know, sort of mess it up and muck it up and make it dirty? Just, you know, just take Jesus as, as, as at his word and, and go after it. And, um, and the craziest thing is that Jesus says, as he's preparing his disciples for his departure, he says that they're going to do, and we're going to do even more than what they've seen him do, because he's sent the Holy Spirit to give us power to to move forward. So that's, you know, that's the, there's a lot of opportunity there, I guess, is the way that I see it. There's a lot of opportunity. And what's the, the worst thing if we trust God to actually use us to do something? I mean, if God decides not to, that that's okay. We can try. It's not like we're going to be uh, marked down for not praying for someone or, or for praying for someone rather and God not doing a miracle that we asked for. And, um, and as I've tried to embrace this and tried to encourage other people to embrace this, I've just seen people in all walks in all cultures experience miracles at their hands, God working through them just because they took Jesus at his word and, mm. and said, okay, you said we're supposed to try and pray and he- for healing for people. And so let's do it. And sometimes it works. Mm-hmm. I love the way you drill it down to relationship. That, And I, I love the phrase that you said that God doesn't want us to just go out building all these false relationships with some with some objective in mind. I think you're so right that I think sometimes par, par, probably part of what makes Christians feel like it's uh, – they just don't feel good about going out and sharing their faith because they see it as, well, I've got – it's like they're drumming a business or something. Mm-hmm. It's like they're trying to – like you said, see people as targets and it feels disingenuous and all that stuff. But could you share just a little bit more about why it seems Christians get stuck on this issue? You know, there, there are five purposes that that we celebrate and that we balance at a purpose-driven church like Saddleback. And um, certainly from my own story, but also I think uh, as we look out over the church, a lot of Christians seem to struggle in the area, in this area. Can you talk about uh, why you think that is, and maybe how how Christians can overcome some of those th- attitudes or mindsets that might be holding them back. Sure, I think the first thing that I would I would say is that um, we as pastors maybe have created some confusion because in our attempts to help prepare people for things like evangelism, we've taught them sort of models, and essentially mm-hmm. they've walked away thinking that if they memorize a speech. That mm-hmm. that you know reflects their own life that has a couple of verses in it, then they just need people to find to deliver that speech to, mm-hmm. or deliver that presentation to, or or draw that diagram with. Um, those things are intended to be helpful in terms of of preparing us to to share um, to share our stories, but our kind of our evangelism stories or our faith stories. It's just the question of what is God doing in your life and. Mm-hmm. If you're uh, passionately, actively following God, it doesn't mean you're not going to experience major difficulties in all things, but and and all kinds of things, uh, both good and bad. But um, if you have eyes to see and if you're pursuing God, you're going to see God show up at different areas, both in the hard times and in the good times. And then that's all really people need to share about. 
Um, so I think part of the challenge is that we've sort of uh, prepared people with something that they feel like if they don't master that speech, they're not going to succeed mm -hmm. and they're looking for opportunities to give that speech. So I would just sort of want to change the, the mental framework a little bit and say, um, what's, what's at the core of the evangelist, the evangelism call mm -hmm. and, and uh, from a theological perspective, from a biblical perspective, it's that we're supposed to be the best people who love and, and have compassion and care and concern for other people um, because of our relationship with God and because of what God's done in our lives. And so how can we just try and become that and live that out? How can we develop relationships that show and show light on the fact that we genuinely care about the person that we're trying to have a relationship with? Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. In discipleship, we like to talk about how, how discipleship, uh, it, it, it leads towards this idea of character building, that discipleship is growing in character, in making your character like Christ. And really, when you think about evangelism and you think about what you were just talking about, Skip, really what we're talking about is an outflowing or an outpouring of that character, that you're just living out that character, and it just so happens to shine and radiate in a way that makes other people come into your life and you're connecting with them and talking with them. And then if out of that character, you can have those relational moments with them, whether it's mm. it's being there for counsel or whether it's being there for support and courage or to share something that God is doing in your life. That's all just an outflowing of your character development. That's right. And so one of the key things that I, I you know, would reflect off of that um, would be that, you know, we develop these relationships and then in the context of relationship and, and like any, anybody you're in relationship with, the idea is that uh, you'd spend a majority of the time listening to what is a concern of theirs and what their, maybe their struggles are, or what's on their heart or what they want to talk to. And, um, but in the context of that relationship, we would listen and that's how we express care. Mm -hmm. And as we listen to them, they begin to um, share things that they're concerned about, things that maybe they struggle with, things that are maybe pain points in their life. And then uh, after we've developed that context for relationship and we've um, you know practiced that listening, then we have an ability to speak. So you know, our prepared speech isn't what we lead with. We lead with our ears. And then, you know, we extend our, ourselves through compassion. And then once we have identified the struggle, the pain point or whatever, um, places where we can offer hope, where we can offer some spiritual truth that might, might provide them steps toward healing, but certainly is going to provide them hope and, a, and an extension of love from us. Mm. That's when we have the greatest impact on other people. I like that. I, I think that what I'm hearing there even makes me feel, um, even brings a sense of relief to me as I think about personal evangelism, because I think sometimes we think of it in terms of like winning and losing. And um, like you were saying, it's like a, we have a tactical approach to sharing our faith, which kind of just take cuts the legs right out from under it, right? Yes. <laughs> right? right. At, a, at a real, at a very real level. And, and people can really sniff that out. People can tell when you have an, you have an angle and that you don't genuinely care How about them. How did you turn this conversation to talk about God? <laughs> yeah, wow, we really happened. pivoted to the cross real quick there. But when someone when, sneezes, yeah, God bless you. Let me tell you about <laughs> yeah. God. Did you know about God's well, you blessing? Brought him up, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. 
but to to think in terms of uh, if you if you think of the Christian mandate is to to love God, you know, and love your neighbor as yourself, that loving the people in your sphere of influence, those who know Christ and those who don't, mm-hmm. is an end unto itself. It is. And that that is what we're commanded to do. And that's something that if you're if you're if you're striving to show compassion and care and interest in the lives of the people around you, that's not really something you lose at unless you just don't do it. I mean, but but all you have to do is behave like a disciple of Jesus in the context of these relationships with people who don't know him yet. And that is its that is its own that is its own win. That's right. Um because uh, I know for me, it's like, oh, you know, you get in there, you try to have that conversation. And and I like what you said, too, about how most of the time we're sharing with people who are in our lives in some sort of recurring way, mm-hmm. not those one-time passing things, although those can exist, those can occur. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's part of the pressure on believers, too, that I've personally felt is like, I'm only going to be talking to this cashier for the next <laughs> 90 seconds, you know? Right. How do you make that about Jesus? How do, you, how do you try to get him to the finish line, you know? But if we just maybe release ourselves from that pressure and just start thinking, how do I just be a human being mm-hmm. in the image of God, following after Jesus, caring for the people who I know God loves in, in my context? That, that to me, feels like it's a, more, it's a more real expression of my love for Christ. Um, and probably, I, I, what I hear you saying, is it's probably a more effective way to actually share Christ with them anyway. <laughs> it is. And, and honestly, the only thing I would add to that, Doug, would be that... Um, that we try and develop, intentionally try and develop kind of, uh, I guess, ears, spiritual ears or whatever you want to call it, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit so mm-hmm. that because yeah. those moments, you know, those, those fleeting moments that can have huge impact, um, we're not going to figure out, you know, if we try and, and tell every cashier in 90 seconds about Jesus, then yeah. we're, we're probably going to do more damage than good. But right. If we're standing, you know, somewhere and we just, you know, feel a nudge from the Holy Spirit, hey, go and talk to that, you know, that person wearing that yellow shirt. And mm-hmm. we're like, well, that's a really random <laughs> idea. Yeah. But if we can have the cor- the courage to actually kind of obey that, and, and there are ways we can actively seek to develop ears to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. then not only are we intentionally living, you know, lives of compassion and love and trying to bring hope to the people that we know and on a regular basis, but we're also now available for God to use us in mm. kind of those um, really extraordinary, miraculous ways. Mm. Um, and if anybody, you know, is thinking, well, gosh, how in the world would I do that? I, I would just encourage people to do two things. One is, uh, if any of this has resonated with you, just... Um, make it a part of your prayer life. You know, mm-hmm. God, who do you want me to express compassion to? And and God will make that known to you. Mm-hmm. And and so actively pray to be used by God. Um, yeah. The other, I would say, would be more intentionally um, have, have an openness and a willingness and sort of eyes that are looking for opportunities. You know, mm-hmm. uh, somebody that you know, and we've all had this experience, somebody that we know maybe a little bit just you know, looks like there's just something going wrong. And we're like, oh gosh, I've got a very full schedule today. Do I really have time, you know, to go and and sit down with Jack and have a four minute conversation? Or can it be a 20 minute conversation of God, can I squeeze that in? And and then we either go our way or we sort of respond to that. Um, So just eyes, 
eyes to look for those opportunities and, you know, a, a more open um, agenda to be able to say, okay, God, if you want to use me in this moment, I know I have things I thought I was going to get done. Um, maybe those things can wait. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really good. So honing your vision to see those opportunities when they come. Yeah, that's good. But you don't have to create them. They're going to be yeah. there is what I would say. Look for yeah. them. Don't work, worry about creating them. That's, that's God's job. Or, and, and ask images. for them. That's right. Yeah, yes, you can ask for them. Yeah, just, Laura, okay, I'm, I'm having this conversation. This happened to Joyce and I when we were on, on vacation last week. <laughs> we ended up having a great conversation with a guy who was lost <laughs> on a hiking trail, <laughs> an Italian guy. Mm -hmm. And as we were walking... I was just like, okay, Lord, just if there isn't, if we're going to be walking together for about 20 minutes, it ended up being longer than that. He was a little on the slower side. He was so dehydrated, <laughs> this, this poor guy. Um, so I just prayed, Lord, um, if there's a, if you want me to talk to this guy about you, just create an opening. Um, and he did, and it was a good conversation, and it was a, it was a cool thing. But par partly that reframes your thinking too. At the start of an interaction, you're thinking, okay, now I'm not only asking God to create an opportunity, but in that same in that same act, I'm opening my eyes mm -hmm. to be looking now for that, that opportunity that I've asked for. That's right. Um, and then if it doesn't happen, you can say, well, maybe maybe God knew that this person wasn't spiritually ready to be receptive, and yes. maybe just being kind is the best way that I can show Christ to this person today, and then just move on. Right. You don't um, know what type I of seeds that. are being planted just exactly. by being true. Nice. Yeah, and exactly. I would say uh, we, are, we are spiritual beings. I mean, human beings are spiritual creatures, so... Everybody has some level of spiritual need or interest, yeah. And and there are ways that you know we can talk about spiritual things without sounding um, too dogmatic or preachy and and yeah. you know pushing people away. But uh, but I would say in the background of my life experience, there's an awareness everybody has spiritual needs. Yeah, and they will bring it up eventually. They usually. will bring it up eventually <laughs> yeah. if you're open to listening. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, is you've been involved, as you said, as a mission pastor for your entire adult life, pretty That's much. Right. You said so. Have you noticed any kind of changes in your approach to evangelism? Did you start with one idea in mind, and then since over that time, you've been like, "Oh, this is actually a little more like this." So I would say uh, over the years, uh, like a lot of people that have been hanging around church for a couple decades, I've probably been trained in dozens of. <laughs> different ways and and methods, and I would say that um, that you know engaging in evangelism it should be dynamic and it should change, and it not only should change you know as you change cultures and and as you change um, i guess seasons of you know of people in seasons of people's lives but but it should change according to the recipient and kind of where they're at and so I think one thing um, after having engaged in, you know, dozens at, at least of different approaches, and I've, I've had the opportunity to, you know, do gospel presentations to large groups and one-on-ones and all of that, um, I think that, that the one thing that shouldn't change is kind of what we're talking about, to approach people as if you care about them because they're people, because mm. we're, we're commanded, as Doug said, we're commanded to love our neighbor. Mm -hmm. Um, we don't always take time for that, but we're commanded to to do that. And so when we are having um, spiritual conversations to come from that place, rather than a place of, I want to execute this newest method that I got from this latest Christian book or something like that. Um, and I think, you know, those things can be helpful to maybe break down some, I don't know, insecurities amongst people. 
But I would want to break it down even further and say, first of all, um, pray for them, listen to them. Second of all, look for opportunities to share about uh, things that you've seen God do in your life. That's it. Mm. That's it. And, um, and, 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 you know, be open to having the spiritual conversation that they want to have. Mm-hmm. Mm. For some people, they may think of themselves as introverts or, or that sort of thing. And so just the very idea of starting a conversation with somebody, much less a spiritual conversation with somebody, can be a daunting, a daunting notion. Do you have any tips that can just help people sort of ease into that process? Sure. The easiest that I would say, uh, and this this is an expression of your compassion and and your love for that person, the e- and and something that almost nobody rejects is uh, if they express some sort of a concern, a pain, uh, a pain, um, something along those lines. Offer to pray for them, mm. and if you're comfortable to, you know, pray for them right there and then, then do that. If uh, as long as that doesn't you know make them run for the for the hills, but yeah. but offer to pray. That's a really really powerful. Um, tool that we have that actually is effective. And so if we engage that, then uh, people typically respond really well to that. Mm. And even if, uh, even if, and and even atheists, I mean, um, I and friends of mine have had atheists be excited to have us pray. And then to come back later and say, hey, Joe, you know, I was praying about that thing with your business. How's that going? I'm still praying about that. I'm just checking in. How's that going? Mm. And that allows another stage of spiritual conversation next time yeah. you bump into Joe across the street. Yeah, that that seems like it um it there's just so many benefits that come from just that simple act of an offer to pray. You know, it can like you said it conveys compassion for that person and a genuine interest. The ability to follow up says I didn't just think about that but I'm thinking about that. That's there's so many great ways. Plus, I don't know, it just seems like my observation has been God will often is often quick to answer the prayers of those who don't know him yet or are or are still kind of on the fringes it's and and baby christians as well it's just been my That's observation right. that that god kind of like when we're starting out in our faith journey he kind of puts the ball on the tee for us That's a little right. bit you know <laughs> i've seen that and uh and as that plays out it just seems like god as a compassionate father loves to give some of those early wins to people when they begin their spiritual journey. And that's not always the case, but it seems like he definitely loves to do that. So not only does it convey a genuine love for that person on your part, but it also gives them an opportunity to see that maybe God is real and maybe God really does love them as much as this person says that he does. That's true. So I love I love that idea. And I think the only thing really with the whole praying for people is just ask their permission. Yeah. You know, um, because it feels different to say, hey, you just shared that, I am going to pray for you, Yeah. than, hey, you just shared that, would it be okay with you if I prayed about that for you? Yeah. That just, that has a whole different feeling and connotation. Yeah, if, if you just yeah. started praying all of a sudden, right. and the person's like, what just happened? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> oh, Holy Father. <laughs> well, that makes me think too, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you'll disagree, maybe there's a benefit of this that I'm not seeing, but uh, probably being just attuned to their, to their, maybe their hangups or their or their lack of knowledge of Christian language and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff That's and right. just maybe keeping it simple and 
you don't necessarily have to join hands or right. you know put your hands on their shoulders or use a lot all your biggest and fanciest theological oh, words. Abba right? Father. That's Probably right. a Sabbath. <laughs> like I understood thirty percent of that prayer. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, that's uh, good. So hopefully, if you've been listening to this, you're like, okay. I, I this sounds great. I want to dive do deeper. I want to get involved. I want to make this a bigger part of my life. Well, guess what? We have the perfect opportunity for you coming up next week, October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. There's a conference going on at Saddleback Lake Forest called Made for Mission. Skip, you are heavily involved in yes. making this conference go. Can you tell us a little bit about what is going on and about what Christians can expect or, or, or what people can expect that are that are coming and what they're going to get out of it? Sure. So the idea behind the conference is sort of to accomplish two things. One is uh, the morning time. The idea there is to to basically pull us together and, and level the playing field and give us uh, an inspiration to do what we call live on mission, which is just what we're talking about, which is just living intentionally as a follower of Jesus, loving God and, and loving others. And so the, the mornings are all about inspiration and the afternoons are all about training and equipping. So um, in the morning time, we're going to spend that time with Pastor Rick and the afternoons, uh, we're going to have people both from our team here at Saddleback Church and from about uh, half a dozen other churches come in and say, you know, these models of ministry have been effective from a church-based approach, uh, you know, large-scale ways that we can come alongside and meet the needs of people in our communities and, and in other nations and so forth. Mm-hmm. So the training part's going to be the afternoon, morning part's inspiration, put it all together, and I think it's going to produce a really fruitful three days, or even one day, if you can just come for one day. Mm. That's great. Well, that moves us into our doable time. We always try to boil it down to just some simple action steps that a person can take. First one we should just say right off the bat is register for this conference. Register. Go to the Made for Mission conference, madeformission.church. We'll get you there. You can sign up and all that stuff. It's not too late. I will even give you a discount code. Oh, (laughs) guys, listen up, listen up. There you go. When you go to register at madeformission.church, enter the discount code. You'll find a button that says discount code in the top left corner. Enter M-E-M-19, M-E-M-19, member 19. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes, too, so that anybody who's checking out on YouTube or whatever can remember that. And as we said, we just want to reiterate, it's October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, here at Saddleback. That's right. And that code will give you the whole conference, all three days, everything for $59. That's Nice. So act now, people. Don't wait. Don't wait, you know, for a few days. Don't wait till the weekend. Sign up right away, because this thing is coming right around the corner. Don't waste time on that. And then also, I would just say, begin to pray. Ask yes, God to give you a compassionate heart. Begin to ask God to give you eyes to see yeah. people around you and, and how you can come alongside them. Yeah. Simple steps. Perfect. That's great. Love those ideas. Oh, by the way, Jason and I will be at the conference. So we if, will. Uh, yeah, if you're a doable listener, come and say hi to us there we'll as probably well. probably have our green lanyards on. We will. Look for a <laughs> couple of guys wearing minty green lanyards that say <laughs> spiritual growth team on them. Yeah. Skip, thank you so much for coming today. This has been a really wise, helpful, warm, and honestly, for me, it just it gives me a, a a sense of excitement about going and having some good conversations and building relationships. So thanks for your time. Yeah. Of course. Love that. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Skip. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for checking us out on YouTube, wherever you're, wherever you're listening from. We love you. We'll hope to uh, speak to you again <laughs> next week. <laughs> Join us next week is what I'm trying to say. Goodbye. 
If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you.